Well, praise the Lord. I'm Tom Shanklin, and this is the Believer's School of Ministry. And I am here in um, Mankato, Minnesota. And our class today is in Hyderabad, India. Praise the Lord. We've got some beautiful Christian believers over there wanting to learn how to serve the Lord, how to minister. So everybody over there, just wave, give a good wave. All right, say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and can you wave your notebooks? I see you got your notebooks. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, well, let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for a, just a blessed time in you. We're asking for your guidance, for your help, and for the presence of your Holy Spirit as we teach your word. Lord, you said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You said to go and make disciples. So here we are, Lord, we're doing it via Skype. And I thank you for that, Father. I thank you for your goodness and mercy and your love and the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for blessing our time together in the mighty, precious, holy name of Jesus. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Here comes Susan. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's so good to see you guys. Susan, you got a yeah. word to say to this class as they're starting? Go forward. You can do it. All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. Well, I want to thank all of you for coming and being part of the Believer School of Ministry. And we're, we're just really excited about this. Um, we just think it's going to be a powerful time that we're going to have together. And it's just the beginning of something very, very strong and very, very powerful uh, for India and for the world. So uh, it's just great to be part of God's plan, isn't it? Amen? Amen. So we're going to just make a little switch here on the video. So those watching um, by YouTube or whatever other way are just going to mainly see me. But they'll still yeah. hear you. So, we are recording this. And uh, it's so that we can reach others with the gospel and with this message and with this teaching too. And so, but as you share or ask questions or whatever your involvement is, it will be uh, also on the recording. And uh, we all have a part of this together. Praise God. Well, we see Austin... Austin just came on the picture on the right side. Hey, Austin. Hi. How you doing, brother? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> All right. So it's another yeah, brother who couldn't come. He couldn't come for the uh, for the class per se, but he's in another location watching. So that's great. All right. So we're going to begin mm -hmm. on page four, and that's about. The Believer School of Ministry. We just want to kind of introduce uh, what we're doing here. The Believer School of Ministry. The purpose is to find strength and fulfillment in your Christian life, to help your local church to grow, and to reach others with the good news of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Our purpose is to prepare faithful believers in Jesus Christ to reach the world for him by teaching foundational Bible principles and training believers to do the works of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Classes include practical hands-on training and ministry skills such as witnessing, praying for the needs of others, and moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So you will have opportunity to learn how to do those things and... and uh, so that you can not only, uh, you know, sit in a class and learn something, but so that you can spread the gospel uh, and reach others. God has a purpose for each of our lives. That is to glorify Him and reach others with the good news of Jesus Christ. And we've got the scripture in there from Ephesians 4.11 and uh, in the Amplified Version. It says, And his gifts were varied. He himself, that is, Jesus, appointed and gave men to us 
some to be apostles, special messengers, some prophets, inspired preachers and expounders, some evangelists, preachers of the gospel, traveling missionaries, some pastors, shepherds of his flock, and teachers. His intention was the perfecting and full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering towards building up Christ's body, the church. So, in um, just a second, I've got to do something on my screen here. I can only do one thing. My mind only goes one direction at once. Okay. Um, so, in essence, what this is saying is, you know, we've all heard about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and how, you know, these individuals have a ministry. But the idea, really, of those ministries is to train you to be ministers for Jesus Christ, to enable you to do the work of the ministry, to enable you to build up the church. It's not just about an evangelist from America or a pastor from India or a missionary. It's about every member of the body of Christ getting involved doing the works of Jesus. And that really is the move of God. You know, in these last days, God wants to use all of us uh, to reach others for him. So, it's exciting, you know, to be a part of the Lord's work. And that's what this class is about. We want to ignite you to reach others for Jesus Christ. We want to ignite you uh, to build up the church. We want to ignite you to understand your purpose and, and the, the power that God has placed in your life to reach others, to help others, to do miracles, to see signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. So we're going to start with the very basics, but we're going to build. And uh, by the time you're done with this, I believe you're going to be equipped to really make a difference in your world. You're going to become so excited about being a Christian because it's not enough just to learn and just to sit in church, but we need to be doing the works of Jesus every day. And uh, that's, what we're, that's what we're endeavoring to do through these classes, and we believe that this is going to bring major change you know, into your life. And I'm excited about doing this. I'm just excited about sharing with believers that uh, are interested in doing the works of Jesus, and I believe God's going to light a fire that will not quit throughout this world in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Now, next paragraph here. These classes are designed to be reproducible. In other words, as you're sitting there today, we're appointing you to teach the things that you have learned. Uh, in 2 Timothy, uh, Paul says to Timothy, In the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. In other words, Paul said, Timothy, I'm teaching you some things, not just so you can learn them, but so you can teach others. And so we want you all to become teachers of the Believer's School of the Ministry. We want you to take the notes that you have here and go out and teach others how to be witnesses and ministers for Jesus Christ. Okay? So you're hereby appointed to be teachers. The next paragraph deals with how to prepare to teach. And so as you think about, you're taking in these lessons, think about, okay, now how am I going to teach this to others? And really what it takes, these, these lessons are so, they're, they're very simple. And each of you can do this by just going through and looking up each one of the scripture references and then writing, you know, notes in your, in your notes, write down about each scripture. And then as you teach, you'll be able to share those scriptures and those thoughts. Then you can add your own experiences to it. And, you know, before you teach, just meditate on those things, think on those things, and you'll find that God will use you to teach others uh, these basic principles of Christ. So we're expecting that this is not only about, you know, Christian believers here in Hyderabad, but that you will be used to teach others how to be witnesses for Jesus Christ, how to pray for the sick, how to use your authority, and all the things that are in these lessons. 
So we pray that these teachings will help you to launch out in the deep to reach the world with the only message that can give eternal life and set the captives free, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, now let's go to page 5 and get into our lesson right away here, Discovering New Life in Christ. And we're going to begin reading in the book of Mark, chapter 1, and the 14th verse. And I'm going to read from the Word of God, because this is the foundation. This is our authority. Uh, I'm not coming to you in my authority, but I'm coming to you with the authority of the Word of God. So this is God's message to us. This is what God has said to us that we should do and how we should live. And so we're giving you God's message, not our own. Amen. So we want you to understand this is from the Word of God, which is God's inspired word and message to you. Mark chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now that word gospel means good news. And kingdom of God means God's rule. So it's talking about the good news that God's in charge. You know, we look around the world, I'm sure in your community, just like in ours, uh, the devil's having a heyday in many people's lives. But I want you to know when we allow Jesus Christ to be Lord of our lives, that the devil is defeated and God goes forth in power and his kingdom takes over. And this is what it's all about, that the kingdom of God would be expanded and it begins in our own hearts. So Jesus came preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and saying, the, king, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. I want you to remember that. If you don't remember anything else today, remember that verse. Repent and believe the gospel. Two things that, he tells, that Jesus tells us to do is to repent and to believe. To repent means to change your mind, to think differently. Uh, if you've been living in sin, think differently about that. Turn away from that sin and turn to God and let Jesus Christ be the Lord of your lives. That's what it means when it says repent. It means to turn around. First of all, in your thinking, to turn around about how you think about things and the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life and let him be Lord in your heart. You know, none of us can change in our own power, but God gives us the power to repent through Jesus Christ. And so he says, repent and believe the gospel. So the first part is repent. The second part is believe. Believe the gospel. Believe in what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago when he died on that cross for your sins and he was buried and he rose again. And I'll tell you, Jesus rose from the dead and Jesus is Lord. Jesus is alive today, and he's alive right there in Hyderabad today, right where you are, and he's alive right here in Mankato, and he's alive all over the world, but he sits on a throne in heaven, amen, and he rules from there over principalities and powers, praise God. But our job is to repent, turn to him, amen, just say, I'm done with my ways, I'm done with trying to be good enough, I need Jesus Christ to take over in my life, Jesus be my Lord. And then to believe in what he did. And that word there, believe, means to trust. Put your trust in Jesus and what he did, the finished work of Calvary, that Jesus died for you. It's not just a religious concept or an idea. It's a fact that Jesus Christ died for you personally. He died on that cross so you could have eternal life. And so when you believe, you put your trust in that fact. It's like uh, if you're sitting on a chair, you're trusting in that chair to hold you up, right? You're trusting that those legs will hold you up. And if you, even if you lift your legs off the floor, that chair is still going to hold you up. Well, that's what Jesus does. He holds you up. He gives you eternal life. And you trust that when you die and you leave your body, that you'll have eternal life with God in heaven because of what Jesus did. So that's the, that's the essential things of the gospel, to repent and to believe. Praise the Lord. 
Then it says in verse 16, Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee and saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. So Jesus, it says, saw these men fishing. And as he walked by, he says, Come and follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. He says, I've got a new job for you in life. And, you know, many of us have different occupations. God doesn't want us all to quit our jobs and and go into the ministry, but he does want us to follow him. And when we follow him, he'll do something in our life. He'll make us to become fishers of men. What does that mean to be a fisher of men? It means to catch men for Jesus. It means to bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the, the, uh, the job is urgent. The need is great. The world is going to hell and needs God desperately. But God sent his son to make a difference. But our part is to bring the message to others, the message of God's love through Jesus Christ. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we're so happy to be bringing this message to you today and to encourage you and your part that each of you are called to be fishers of men. And I know many of you are actively engaged in that already. You know, I, I, I'm looking at some of you that are busy with the work of the ministry. And I believe that God's going to stir you up even to, in a greater fashion for that work. And those of you that are maybe just beginning, you're going to get more and more on fire. Uh, to reach others for Jesus. So the next section there, and we're on we're on page five again. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? You know, we preach Jesus. Well, who is Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us who Jesus is. First of all, Jesus is the promised Messiah. You know, the Old Testament. I mean, the Bible is divided into two parts: the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament are the things before Jesus came. The New Testament are the things after Jesus came. So the New Testament, the word testament means covenant. And the New Test so the New Testament is a new covenant which God made with man through Jesus Christ. And that's what we've just been talking about, how he died on that cross and he shed his blood so that we could have forgiveness of sin, so our lives could be changed. But way back in the Old Testament, which was written to a particular nation called Israel, in that Old Testament were promises made of a Messiah to come, or Christ to come. And uh, we put in the notes here some of the scripture references to those, we call them messianic prophecies. And these are places in the Old Testament where God said he was going to send his son. For example, there it says Genesis 3.15. That's where God predicted after Adam and Eve had sinned. You know, he said that uh, the serpent will bruise uh, the, the heel of the, the seed of the woman. And the seed of the woman will bruise or crush the head of the serpent. The serpent, of course, is Satan. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So even way back in Genesis, God had this idea about sending his son, you know, to defeat the devil and to bring victory in the earth. And that was a prediction of the Messiah. And of course, Genesis 12, that's uh, the call of Abraham in that. Uh, he said, in, in you, Abraham, will all the nations of the earth be blessed. Of course, Abraham was a descendant or an ancestor of Jesus Christ. And so through his lineage, Jesus Christ came to bless all the nations of the world, including your nation. 
And then Psalm 22, another messianic prophecy. That's one that uh, had a big effect on my life before I came to the Lord because I read that and I saw, here's, here's the crucifixion. Psalm 22 talks about Jesus dying on the cross hundreds of years before it ever happened, describes what took place, even to the point of them parting his garments. It's in Psalm 22. So there's many predictions in the Old Testament about Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you to not only listen today, but take these scripture references and look them up, you know, before next week's lesson. Just make this a study guide and open these scriptures up in your Bible and read them and think about them because they're very, very powerful. And then uh, Isaiah 7, 14, a virgin shall conceive, you will call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, Uh, 6 and 7, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder. Uh, Isaiah 52 talks about Jesus' sufferings. Isaiah 53 again talks about his sufferings and what it means for us. And this is another scripture that's been very, very powerful in my life, even before I came to the Lord. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, Surely... He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. It tells us that Jesus on the cross took our punishment. And once again, this is hundreds of years, over 700 years before Jesus came, God was predicting that this would happen. So the scriptures, the word of God, are very, very powerful in this regard that these predictions were fulfilled in Jesus Christ perfectly. And so I encourage you to to look up those messianic prophecies and study them. Who is Jesus? He is the Savior of the world. As God said through the angels uh, at, at Bethlehem, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Jesus is our Savior. What does Savior mean? Can somebody tell me? Savior. What is the meaning of that word? One who saves. One who saves. (laughs) And that's what Jesus does. He, He saves us because, you see, without him we cannot be saved. And then also, Jesus is God in the flesh. And you can study about that in John in the first chapter. um, That he was born not of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So see, Jesus was born of a virgin. He did not have a natural father. His father is God in heaven. And he came and he walked among us. And so that's why his name is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God was with us in the flesh in those days. When Jesus walked the earth, God walked the earth. Amen. And today, God is living on the earth and living in our hearts. Jesus uh, is God in the flesh. And then, finally, who is Jesus? The Son of God who rose from the dead. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 4 says, He is declared to be the Son of God, uh, with power by the resurrection from the dead. And First Corinthians 15 also talks about how Jesus rose from the dead and he was seen over of over 500 brethren. People saw him. So, you know, this was written, the Word of God was written in, in that time contemporaneously uh, with these people being alive. And there was a testimony that 500 people saw Jesus risen from the dead. He is alive and he's risen from the dead And later he ascended up into heaven and that's where he is today. And he sent forth the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us today as we're studying, uh, as we're listening to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is right there with you uh, in Hyderabad. He's right here with us in Mankato and he's with uh, those that are watching on the internet. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Why did Jesus come to the earth? Uh, Well, first of all, 
to save us from our sin. God, through the angel, told uh, Joseph, you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The word Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. Jesus came to save us from our sins. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26 through 28 says that he came to put away sin. So you see, he's the deliverance from sin. Uh, Not only does Jesus forgive us of our sins, but he delivers us from the power of sin. And that's what we need to realize as Christians. We do not need to live under the power of sin. Jesus came, it says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, to seek and to save the lost. And so we, we are continuing in that mission today, to seek and to save the lost. And then in John 10, 10, it says that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. I love that scripture. That's a scripture that had a lot of meaning to me. After I became a Christian, I had been a Christian for several years when I really grasped the meaning of that scripture that Jesus came to give me not only life, but life more abundantly. You know, the greatest news ever is that when we die, we'll go to heaven and we'll be with the Lord in heaven forever. But God also has blessings for you on this earth today. His presence, His holiness, His power, His healing, His grace. You know, just knowing God is such an awesome privilege. And then the Bible tells us that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Maybe there's something going on in your life that's of the devil. Some destructive work of the devil. Or maybe you know you have a friend or a relative that's being harassed by the devil. Well, I come to tell you today that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Praise the Lord. And Jesus came in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, to deliver us from the fear of death. You know, when we receive Jesus... We do not need to fear death. And that is, it, that is really exciting because when we're delivered from the fear of death, then we can really live this life. We don't need to worry about what somebody's going to do to us or what's going to happen. Hallelujah. We have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, now we're on page six. And the question is, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Well, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 tells us. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So what is the gospel? It's the power of God unto salvation. How many want the power of God in your life? Would you wave at me if you want the power of God in your life? All right. Praise God. Yes. Well, how do we get the power of God? Through the gospel. Because you see, the gospel opens up the windows of heaven, opens up our connection with God. Because we're forgiven, we're reconciled, we're reunited with God, and God's power comes in our life. So that's why this gospel message is so powerful and so necessary. I mean, it changes everything. It's like... It's like either you're standing outside the door or you're inside the door. There's a big difference, right? If, there, if there's a, imagine there's a house and in that house is so many blessings, such good food and riches and fellowship and friendship and just excellent things happening. <clears throat> but you're standing outside the door and the door is locked. But somebody comes with the key and says, hey, I have the key. Come on in. You know, it's wonderful inside. That's what the gospel is. It's the key that you can walk into the blessings of God. What is the gospel? Well, uh, let's look at this one because I think it's so important that we see this. If you have your Bibles, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And by the way, we have put in the lessons, we have put just the references rather than printing out the whole scripture. And the reason for that is I use the King James and you might not like the King James version or you might prefer your Bible in another language or whatever. 
So we just put the reference in so you can look them up in your own language or in your own preferred Bible. And the same goes with your teaching. You can use your own uh, Bible to do these. And I think that'll be more helpful to you. Okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I just want to read uh, the first four verses here. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. Gospel. All right. Which I have preached to you, which also ye have received, and wherein you stand. Okay, so he preached it, they received it, and they stand upon it. How many of you are standing on the gospel today? Would you raise your hand, wave your hands today? Praise God. All right. By which also you are saved. So we see the gospel saves us. If you keep in memory what I have preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Notice Paul uses that phrase, according to the scriptures. Again, that's our foundation. That's our basis for faith, is what the Word of God says. And what does the Word of God tells us? Tell us three things. Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Jesus was buried. When you're dead, you're, then they bury you, right? Jesus died. He was buried. But praise God, on the third day, he rose again. Jesus is alive and Jesus is Lord. And by the way, every time in the scriptures, then after Jesus was rose from the dead, most often he was referred to as the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when he rose from the dead, God made him both Lord and Christ, as Peter says in uh, Acts chapter 2. So he is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus walked the earth but he now is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the head of all principality and power. There's nobody above him except God the Father. And he is so awesome in power and glory. Praise God. And the, that's why the devil is defeated. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. And what is the gospel? John 3.16 is the gospel in a nutshell. For God so loved the people of Hyderabad, Mankato and all the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever puts their trust in him, believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. So that is the gospel message. All right? Next, why do we need the gospel? Well, the reason we need the gospel is in the beginning, God created everything. Uh, Remember that these scriptures in Genesis are very, very foundational to our Christian life and to our ministry. To understand that, first of all, that God is the one and only God, the creator of all. And I know many of you are ministering to folks that do not have that revelation. And that's one of the things that we most need to bring to them. There's only one true God. And uh, he created everything. And it's a wonderful message that people could have that because without that, it's, there's no light. There's darkness and there's confusion. Then the second thing is God created man and woman and blessed them. And it tells us in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, that God made man in his own image, in his own likeness, created he them, man and woman. And so, ladies... And young ladies, God made you in his image too. Each of you are very, very important and very, very precious to God. And when God made humans, he made them right. He didn't make them to be sick. He didn't make them to be full of sin. He didn't make them to be full of evil. He made them good. He made them right. And that was God's original plan and intention. Okay? But then, Adam and Eve obeyed Satan and became separated from God. And you can read about that in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And again, 
I encourage you to read these scriptures on your own this week and think about these things and see, because this is so foundational. Uh, what happened in the book of Genesis really set the stage for the entire rest of the Bible and what we're doing today. So these are the reasons, you see, because Adam and Eve sinned. They obeyed Satan rather than God, see? Satan came in the garden, and he disparaged God's word. He said, Hath God said, You will not eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil? To Eve, and she bought the lie, you know, she ate the fruit. Adam ate with her. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, that because of that sin... A sin came upon the human race. In other words, sin came into them, and then they passed that sin on to their children. And that sin is passed upon the human race. And because of that sin, death passed on the human race. Now, when we think of death, we think of a lifeless body, somebody that's been killed or died of a disease. But when God talks about death, it means separation from him. And so they were separated from God because of their sin. And humanity, the people of this world, were separated from God because of their sin. And the Bible tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All right, our next section is, how does the Bible describe a non-believer? Well, there's a number of thoughts here. Number one, alienated from the life of God. In other words, separated from the life of God. It talks about in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse, verse 18, that we as Christians should not be like unbelievers, uh, alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Uh, also, the Bible describes an, an unbeliever, a non-believer, as dead in their trespasses and sins. Dead. So, anybody that's not a Christian is dead. It doesn't mean they're not important. They're very important. God loves them. But they're separated from God. That's the condition that they're in, according to the Word of God. The Bible also says that the non-believer is an enemy of God. They're against God because of their sin. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 tells us that they are strangers from the covenant. Strangers from the covenant without hope and without God in this world. Ephesians or Second Corinthians chapter four, verses three and four, that should be there, that says that they are blinded by Satan. You know, Paul said, if anybody's not receiving our gospel, it's because their minds are blinded. You know, if if uh, a car was driving down the road a hundred miles an hour and there was a big cliff at the end of the road. And they're blasting away and they're heading down there and they're going to go off the cliff. But there's a sign in the road that says, drop off ahead, cliff, stop. You know, Well, anybody that could see and read that sign would know, stop, you're going to go off a cliff. Amen? But anybody that doesn't, it's because they're blinded and they can't see. Well, that's what the reality is spiritually. People are blind. So the people that you're ministering to in the nation of India and all around the world, in the United States, the only reason they won't receive this good news message is because they're blind to the truth of it. And so that's what we need to realize. The non-believer is blind. So our job is to help them to see. I love the gospel hymn, you know, Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And when we're born again, we can see. Jesus said, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So the Bible also says the non-believer are sinners and unrighteous. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus didn't wait till you cleaned up your act uh, to save you. He died while we were yet sinners. The Bible also says that the non-believer, their heart is desperately wicked. Roman, or, uh, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. One time I was preaching in the nation of Haiti, and we were going around having open-air meetings, and we had some success. 
But one night I preached from this passage in Jeremiah, the heart of man is desperately wicked. And uh, started talking to them about the way they were living and the sin that was in their life. And, and then I gave them the message of Jesus Christ and how he died for their sins and they could be forgiven and changed. And the people just flooded uh, to the altar for salvation. So it's a truth that maybe our natural mind doesn't receive or understand. But there's something wrong in the heart of man. But Jesus Christ came to fix our hearts. The Bible also says that we are, before we come to Christ, a non-believer is under condemnation and under the wrath of God and destined for the lake of fire. But finally, the non-believer is loved by God. Now that might seem like a contradiction, but you see, God is just and God is merciful. So, God is a God of justice. Uh, Every wrong must be received a retribution. The Bible said the wages of sin is death. There's a law of sin and death. It's like if you jump off a building, the law of gravity will cause you to fall. Right? So if you sin, it will cause you to die. But God came along through Jesus Christ to bring another law to deliver us from the law of sin and death, and that is the law of life through Christ Jesus. That when we receive Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven, and we do not have to live under the law of sin and death. We can live under the law of the good news of Jesus Christ. So that is God's mercy. So how does the God of justice express his mercy? By sending his Son. And that's the only way, you see, that he's given for us to uh, to have that mercy is through Jesus Christ, his son. So that's how God expressed his love. And so many people will say, well, you know, there's many paths to God. You know, you can come through uh, this uh, certain God or you can come through this certain uh, exercise or mental exercise or something like that. But no, there's only one way to God and his name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Next section. I'm sorry, did you say something, Pastor Diva? No, I was agreeing to you. I was saying amen. Amen, brother. Well, everybody, turn to your neighbor and say amen. 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 Say, that's good preaching. (laughs) Praise the Lord. All right, what does the Bible say about a believer? Well, the believer is born again. They have a new life. They've been born again. John chapter 3. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3, 7. You must be born again. It's not an option. Uh, What does the Bible say about a believer? A believer is a child of God. John chapter uh, 1, verse 12. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. The Bible said the believer is a new creature, a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man be in Christ, or any woman be in Christ, or any girl or any boy be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. Praise God. It's wonderful how the Lord comes in our hearts and he makes us different than we used to be. I know... I know he did such a miracle in my life, I'm just amazed every time I think about it. And I'll never be the same since Jesus came in my life. What else about the believer? The believer is the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says that uh, Jesus was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I'm on page 7 now. So, <clears throat> amazingly, Jesus, you know, when he was on the earth, he never sinned. He never did anything wrong. He always lived perfectly. He always walked in love. But when he went to that cross, our sin was placed upon him. The, your sin was placed on Jesus on that cross. And it says, why? So that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus became sin 
so you could be made righteous. Isn't that powerful? It's an exchange. You gave him your sin. He gave you his righteousness. All right. What else about a believer? A believer is converted. Converted. Uh, Acts 11.21 talks about how the people in Antioch turned to the Lord. That's what repentance means. They turned to the Lord. Uh, Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, Repent and be converted, every one of you, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Praise God. So, uh, when we turn to the Lord, His refreshing, His presence comes into our lives. And then finally, the or no, finally I got more too. Uh, the, the believer is saved. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. This is another key verse. And it's an important one for leading others into salvation. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What does that mean, saved? That means you're brought out of darkness into the light. It means that when you die, you go to heaven. It means that you're reconciled to God. Hallelujah. So, how does that happen? Well, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You're going to be saved. Praise the Lord. Alright, the believer is also cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Thank God for his blood. Hebrews chapter 9, uh, verse 14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ purge your conscience? from dead works to serve the living God. You know, when you're saved, uh, the Lord, through His blood, cleanses your heart, purges your thoughts and your conscience, and purifies your soul. There's power in the blood of Jesus. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, If you walk in the light as He is in the light, you have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses you from all sin. Praise the Lord. The believer also has a personal relationship with God and Jesus Christ. This is not just a a belief system. It's a personal relationship with God. John chapter 17 verse 3 says, Jesus makes the statement in his prayer to his Father. He said, This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So we actually know the Lord. We experience Him personally in our daily lives. And that is so very, very powerful. And then, the believer is heaven-bound. Heaven-bound. John chapter 14, 1 through 6. Again, I encourage you to read this one especially. This is God's message. Jesus spoke. He says, uh, that to his believers, you believe in God, believe also in me. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And the way you know, and uh, and his disciples says, we can't know the way. And Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. So we can go to heaven because of what Jesus did. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, a a believer is a Christian. Acts chapter 11, verse 26 says that the believers were first called Christians at Antioch. And Christian is a follower of Christ. Uh, One translation says little Christs. So we actually, you see, and we'll talk more about this later, but we carry the anointing of Jesus as a believer. The anointing is in us. That's his, the touch of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into our heart. So there's much more to learn about this, but that's just the basics of salvation that we've given you there. Now, how does a person become a Christian? Well, there's a number of ways we can describe it. Here's, here's a simple way. In the English language, we would call this the ABCs, because these... Uh, start with, uh, you know, the the first initial is A, then B, then C. First of all, A, admit. By admitting your sin. Romans chapter 3, 
verse 10 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. And uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the truth is, we've all sinned. But many times people are self-righteous. They think that through their good works or whatever, their religious, their religion, they're good enough. But you see, so to come to Jesus, first of all, you must realize you have a need. You must admit you're a sinner, because the Bible said so. And the second thing is to believe. <coughs> Excuse me. Believe by believing the good news that Jesus died for your sins and rose again. So as we talked about before, we have to rely on that fact. We have to trust that when Jesus died on that cross, he died for you. He died for your sins and my sins. So we admit, we believe, and then finally confess by repenting, turning away from sin, and confessing Jesus as Lord of your life. And that, again, is Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, uh, which we shared before. Can you be sure you are saved? Yes. Yes, you can be sure. How can you be sure? First of all, through the word of God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says, these, these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. Now, how many know that you are in a house right now? All right. Is there anybody there that doubts that you're in a house at the moment? You have confidence that you are in a house, right? Well, you can have that same confidence about your salvation. You can know that you have salvation. Why? Through the Word of God. <clears throat> That's why the Word is so important. Okay? Second uh, Timothy, uh, verse 3, verse 15, says that the Scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. And Romans chapter 10, verse 17, says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So how do we have faith? Is it just some magical thing that happens? No, it's something that happens when we believe and trust in the Word of God. We just believe that God, God's Word is true. And what He said to us is a fact, and we accept it personally for ourselves. That is saving faith. And then the second reason we can know is by the witness of the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures teach us that the Holy Spirit will let us know that we are the children of God. And uh, you can read about that in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, and also Galatians chapter 4. Would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Today is the day of salvation. So when's a good day to get saved? Today. Now, now. Right now. Amen. Now, do we have anyone in the class today that would like to get saved, that would like to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Would you lift your hand if that's you? All right, I see those hands. Okay, well, awesome. Well, praise the Lord. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I want you to pray this from your heart to God and believe that he'll change your life today. So pray this prayer from your heart. Just say, Dear God, Thank you for sending Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead. I believe you raised him from the dead. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sins. From this day. This day, I declare that Jesus is the Lord. I declare that Jesus is the Lord. And the ruler of my life. And the ruler of my life. Thank you. Thank you. For accepting me into your family. For accepting me into your family. And becoming my heavenly father. And becoming my heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Hallelujah. Lord. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, now we come to the um, practical exercise, and I'll just uh, explain those to you. Uh, first of all, be ready to give an answer of the hope that is in you. It talks about that in 1 Peter 3.15 and 1 Corinthians 15.1-4. And the assignment is to prepare a brief testimony of your salvation experience to share with another person. And uh, <clears throat> the other practical exercise or your homework, is, as I've been saying throughout the lesson, is to study the scriptures in this lesson. So how many of you will take some time this week to look up the scriptures that we've uh, talked about today and just meditate them? Would you lift your hand if you can do that this week? All right. Just so look them up in your own Bible and study them and think about them because you're going to get a lot more out of this if you do that. Okay. So the practical um, lesson on your testimony is on the next page, page eight. And so I think after we sign off, I'd like to ask Pastor Diva if everyone would just just work on this right there. Just take about 10 minutes to fill this out. And there's actually three different parts. First of all, what was your life like before you came to Christ? How you came to Christ? And number three, what your life has been since you came to Christ? Okay? So... That's your exercise just to write that out. And the purpose of that is then so you can share that. So um, next week, we'll ask you to share, okay? And it, it, it's not compulsory. If you're too nervous, then you don't have to. But we'd like for you to start just sharing your testimony. And so next week, we'll ask you to share uh from your own life, your testimony of Jesus Christ, because this is how you're going to start being a witness for him, okay? And I think before we sign off, I will give you my testimony in a very brief way, okay, so that you can see how that's done, okay, and, and maybe uh, gain something from that. So, but first, let's just look at uh, page nine, and let's do the quiz together. We'll just go through it together. And you can write in the answers, and uh, I'm going to look. I'm going to be asking you to help me fill this out. Okay, number one, Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. Blank, therefore, what the, what should the word be there? Blank, therefore, and blank the gospel. Repent. Repent, therefore, and what? Believe the gospel. Okay. Um, I tell you what, on second thought, why don't you guys also fill this out, and then when we get together next time, we'll go through the quiz. I think it'll go a lot faster that way. So right now, I'm just going to take a minute to uh, share briefly uh, my testimony. Uh, I was raised in a town in Illinois and my mother was a Christian. My father was uh, not a church going man but my mother would take me to church and so I went to a Christian church when I was a child and when I was nine years old I heard the gospel and it touched my heart. Do we have anyone here who is nine years old today? Alright. Okay we have a nine year old girl too. Praise the Lord. Well, when I was nine years old, I heard the message about how Jesus, uh, you know, died on the cross for me and rose again, and it touched my heart, and I even went forward and prayed, but I did not really repent. I did not really surrender my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. So in my teenage years, I became very rebellious. I got into alcohol use, and then back in the 70s, 1970s, was a really rebellious time in America and a lot of us uh, young people became very rebellious and I got into drugs and we got into what we called the hippie lifestyle. I had really long hair and uh, 
my wife and I traveled all over the country and we were very rebellious and we weren't living for the Lord. But then in 1976 we moved to uh, southern Minnesota and we bought a piece of land and we built a house on that land for $500, which is not very much. And uh, we moved into that house and we nearly froze to death that winter. But I went to work at a sawmill and I met a Christian and he invited me to come to his church. And so Susan and I went to that church and God touched us at that local church. It was a church that had a lot of young people like us that had been on drugs but had changed. And Jesus, Jesus had come into their life and something, 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 something real, real was there. And just when I went, the Lord just spoke to my heart, this is what you've been looking for because we've been searching. A lot, of, a lot of young people at that time were searching, searching for reality. reality. And so and we, so we had the door, the door was open, open. and the church went, went. And, and started, started to buy the Bible, Ray and Ray. But still, still I was not changed until God spoke to me and said these words, he said, turn, turn things of things of the world. And at that moment, I made a choice, I said, yes, Lord, I surrender my life to the Lord. And I was changed. And that's why I emphasize repent, repent, so much. You can believe the message and still not be saved. You have to believe it enough to commit to it. That's saving faith. And so when I said yes to the Lord, He came into my life. He delivered me completely from drugs and alcohol. He filled me with the Holy Spirit. God's power came into my life. And I've come to tell you that I've never been the same since that day. And so I just thank God for His grace through Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, I was, as I said, totally set free. People would look at me and they said, you even look different. And God just led me on the path of getting to know Him more through His Word and teaching His Word. And in 1983, uh, I became a minister of the Gospel. And I have seen many miracles See many people healed, many people saved, and God has just totally changed my life through Jesus Christ. So my message to you is that this gospel works, and it'll work for you, and if you'll just believe it, as we shared in that prayer earlier, and uh, if you'll just commit your life to him, you'll never be sorry. You know, I've never said, gee, I wish I hadn't done that. I'm so glad that I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to, uh, I just want to say thank you for uh, sharing in the lesson today. I've enjoyed it very much. And I pray that it's been a blessing and a help to you in your life. And so I want to encourage you. I think I'm going to sign off here in a minute. But I want to encourage you to take some time to uh, do the uh, uh, assignment on page 8, which is to write down your testimony. And, you know, if you just do the best you can. You know, maybe you just got saved today. Well, that's all right. Just write about your experience today. And, uh, but just begin to develop your testimony so that you can communicate it with others because this is the excitement of the Christian life, not only having Jesus but sharing him with others. And then also, would you just uh, take a few minutes and do the quiz? And uh, Pastor Diva, maybe you can facilitate this and just, uh, after the quiz is done, just go through and uh, make sure everybody's got the right answer and knows what it is. Because this is just a good review technique for the lesson. And it's got the, the real important elements that are there. So... Uh, Pastor, I'm just going to ask you to uh, close with prayer for this section of the teaching, and then I'll sign off, okay? Okay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for helping us to be able to come together to learn uh, so that we can uh, evangelize, we can reach out with the good news of uh, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jesus, for dying for us on the cross, for uh, rising up again from the dead, and Father, Lord, people have witnessed, more than 500 people have witnessed, Lord, personally, after your resurrection of Father and, 
And Lord, we can be sure of the salvation because you died for us. And Father, I, I thank you for the hope that you have given to us and you have restored this new relationship and you have given us uh, a back life that we were lost. And Father, we ask you to help us, each one of us here, to be able to learn the good news, experience this good news and also witness and share about this good news because the gospel is the power of God. And Father, we ask you that we will go in your power. We will experience your power when we share the gospel of the Jesus Christ, that you will become the Lord of our lives. And may we share this. We pray for each one of us that you will help us, O oh God, to be able to be a witness who will shine for you, O oh God. We give you all the praise. We thank you for this technology. We thank you for all the favorable conditions that enabled us to be able to have this uh, class and learn together. We thank you for Pastor Tom that you will use him uh, even as he shares the experiences and, and the shares from the Word of God. We ask you that these weeks of learning would be a blessing of Father and we will uh, practice it, we will follow it, we will apply to our lives, Lord. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, guys. God bless you. Thank you, Thank Love you guys. Tom. And we'll God see you. you. We'll see you next week. Yes, Pastor. All right. Bye now.